Pastor Ray Bentley points out how Jesus criticized the Pharisees for having a form of godliness that counted for nothing. The Pharisees were very legalistic. And Jesus said, wow, you're following all these little details, but you're missing the whole point. If I can put it this way, their view of relationship with God was all external, holier than thou. Christianity works from the inside out, not the outside in. That's what Jesus was saying. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Lots of people show up to church looking very spiritual. They're wearing their Sunday best and a freshly painted on smile. They speak in reverent tones and even put some cash in the offering plate. That's all well and good. But today, Pastor Ray points out that what matters is what's happening in our hearts. Matthew chapter 23, I want you to open it up. And uh, Jesus gives, this is a, one of his last messages in between Palm Sunday and Friday where he was crucified. So we've been going over the last messages. These are the last words, the last teachings of Jesus while he was on earth, before his death, burial, and resurrection. And this morning's message is very unique. It is a series of woes. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and some of the hypocrites there, and he's saying, woe to you. Woe to you, you hypocrites. So it turns out that there are eight woes. So what I'm going to do is, if you were here when we began the series of the Gospel of Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 5, there's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the, you know, kind of the only complete sermon of Jesus we have in the Gospels. And interestingly, there are what are called the Beatitudes. And you know how many of them there are? Eight of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to compare the eight Beatitudes. This is what you ought to be, attitudes to be, uh, versus the eight woes. Woe is you if you are like this. So we're only going to do the first four, and we'll do the last four and part two. Of it. So number one, I'm going to put it this way. Entering the kingdom or shutting the kingdom out. The first beatitude is blessed, oh how happy is another way of saying it, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I thought it would say blessed are those who are super spiritual, but that's not what Jesus does and that's not how he begins. He begins with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what, what is good about that is it really begins on the, the ground that the Lord knows that we are poor spiritually. And that's why he came to give us salvation is not earned. Salvation is a gift received. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. It's a gift. So blessed are the poor in spirit. But then what Jesus says here in verse 13, look with me in verse 13. Jesus says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. His two favorite words in this are woe and hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Because you're like a closed door to heaven. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. This is quite an indictment. 
So look, the Bible honors those who follow the Lord, love the Lord, and who are faithfully to represent God and seek no self-glory. On the other hand, there is no more of a person condemned than a religious hypocrite who says one thing, does another. God's most furious wrath is reserved for those who parade around as his representatives, but in reality only serve themselves. So these verses are, they're powerful. They're very direct. Woe is you. Now, the Hebrew word for woe, little Hebrew, little Yiddish is oi. That's what Jesus is saying. So you guys got to give me an oi. Oi means it's like you're overwhelmed or you're shocked or you're surprised or it's really bad or you can't believe it and it's oi. So I want you to say oi. That's what Jesus was saying. What I want you to realize is he is, and what he says here is very, very direct. He goes, you guys, you Pharisees. Now, I want to say this about the Pharisees. You know, a lot of times the gospel is, oh, the Pharisees. So we think of all the religious Jews. And that's not true. The Pharisees were only one sect within the religious community, and they were not really the majority. There were only about 6,000 of them. And even not all of them were bad. Some of them were honest, sincere, seeking, like Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Nicodemus, maybe even Gamaliel, later on as we read about in the book of Acts. And after the Holy Spirit came and poured out in Acts, it says many of them became believers and part of the church. But there were some of them that really represented something that Jesus is looking at these religious guys, and he goes, you guys think you are the doorkeepers of heaven. He goes, I got news for you. You're not even going to heaven right now unless you change and get this. And not only are you not going to heaven, the people that are following you, you're keeping people out. You are like a shut door to them. And he is saying, whoa, oi, wake up. He's definitely pressing on something. Now, so what was the deal? What, what's really the heart and the issue of what's going on here? If I could put it this way, because you've never met a Pharisee, but we read about them in the Bible, it's basically their view of spirituality and relationship with God was all external. It was all based on performance. It was all kind of how you look to other people, and you keep your reputation as being really kind of a little bit better than everybody else little holier than thou. And that really irked Jesus. He did not like that one bit. And he said, and you are making other people just like you, and you're not going into the kingdom, and nor are the people following you going into the kingdom. So he wanted them to realize, here's what Jesus is saying in contrast to that, the religious hypocrisy. And by the way, I know that there are many of you here, let alone those who are listening, and watching online, wherever they are. Many of you were raised in a religious environment or, or tradition or whatever it was that was really external, very rules-based. If I could put it this way, legalistic. The Pharisees were very legalistic. And Jesus said, wow, you're following all these little details, but you're missing the whole point. So what is God really after? He's not looking for the, our outward performance. God is looking on our inward what? Heart. God Almighty is interested in your heart. You want to go to heaven, then the key and the doorway to heaven is through your heart, not through your performance, not by amassing and accumulating a bunch of good deeds. All of that has its place, and, but that flows out of a heart that has actually been transformed. 
God wants your heart. In fact, there was, you know, the King David at that time, but Israel originally had Saul. And Saul was the choice of the people. God let the people choose. You want a king? You don't want me to rule over you? So you want a king? Be like everybody else? Okay, pick your king. So they picked a guy that they thought was perfect. He was tall. Saul was very tall. He was handsome. He had a certain air and authority about him. He looked good under a crown. He knew how to talk to other nations, and people kind of looked at him. Now, the problem with Saul is it was all show. It was all outward. And as you begin reading the story of this man that everybody chose because he looked good on the outside, but what was missing was heart. He was a coward. He was selfish. He used his crown and authority and position basically to try to make himself look good. He wanted a good reputation rather than being a good man. And finally, God said, done, I'm done with you. Saul has been rejected. He told his prophet, Samuel, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the king. I'll tell you which one. Go down there now to his house. So he goes down to, here's the prophet Samuel. He goes to the house. He's got these eight sons. And so the oldest one comes in. One of your sons, uh, you know, the prophet Samuel says, is going to be the next king. God has rejected Saul. So, wow, he brings in his oldest son, tall, handsome, uh, you know, carried himself very, very well. And the Lord said, nah, it's not him. Oh, really? Okay. Well, the next oldest son. No, it's not him. The next one, the next one. He goes through all seven of them. Finally, he looks at him and he goes, none of these have been chosen. And it's not like dad is offering. He goes, well, yeah, I got one more. But he's the littlest guy. He's a boy. He's out with the sheep. And Samuel said, well, you better go get that guy because... I've not seen him, and I can't leave your house until I hear and honor the word of the Lord and anoint. And so David walks in. Little David, young David, teenage David. He walks in, yeah, Dad. And there's this guy standing there, Samuel the prophet. Samuel looks at David and goes, oh, no. Oi. Is that the best you, I mean, he, he judged him in his heart. He's little, he's a guy. He just wasn't impressive. He wasn't fully grown even yet, and God speaks to the prophet Samuel right then. He says, do not judge by outward appearance, for God does not look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And this is a man after my own heart. God has wanted and desires a family of Men and women, sons and daughters who are all heart. He wants to change you and transform you. Not outward, I got to do this, I got to do that, and rules and regulations and legalism and guilt and, and all of that. That is religion. No. He goes, I want you to give me your heart because I can change your heart. I can change your desires so that you will not want the things that are damaging, unhealthy, and dark, and that you desire the things that are of my kingdom, of my spirit, of my joy, of my love, of my peace, that I'll change your heart. And not only will I give you new desires, but because my spirit will be in your heart, I will give you the power to do what you desire to do that is honoring to me. Christianity works from the inside out, not the outside in. That's what Jesus was saying. So, there is a healing because man's tendency is to always drift back to 
because hard work is hard sometimes. It's easier to give me, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And God is going, no, I want to do something different. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realize he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. There was a time when God sent this prophet Jeremiah, and he kept telling him, go to the king. And, and God was trying to get the heart of the nation of Israel because they were stopping to worship God, and they started worshiping idols. And it was breaking God's heart. So he sent Jeremiah, tell them if they don't stop, they're going to lose their nation. Tell them if they don't knock this off, I'm going to let their enemies come and take them over. Tell them if they keep worshiping idols, they can do it, but not in my house, not in my face, not in Jerusalem. I'll send them to Babylon, the capital of idolatry. And I'll send you there for 70 years. And in 70 years, I will cure you of idolatry. You'll reach a place at the end of 70 years that you'll do anything just to get God bring us home so we can worship you instead of all this nonsense that we're surrounded with, and God would bring them back. Well, Jeremiah got tired of, you know, he, you know the king would say, so what does God say? And he'd say, well, he'd say this. You're blowing it. You need to repent. And Babylon's coming. You better get ready. And the king said, ah, stop. I don't want to hear that. And Jeremiah got to the point where he said, Lord, I don't want to speak for your name and on your behalf anymore because nobody likes what I say. They don't like what you say. So find somebody else. I'm not talking for you anymore. Find another prophet. Because it gets discouraging when you keep telling the truth and people keep saying, I don't want to hear that. So here's what happened, though, to Jeremiah, and here's what will happen to you and I if we try to quench the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Let's read it out loud. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. When God gets inside of your heart, I want you to hear this. Here's a sign that the Holy Spirit is working inside of you. Your heart begins to burn. It literally begins to burn. Because look, when you live with your whole heart like that, it's, it's not easy. It takes everything. All your whole mind, your body, your strength, your heart, your emotions, it all gets wrapped up in there. It's a lot easier to check off boxes. Well, I did this, I performed that, and you know, give me the, the rules, and then we like to guard our heart, protect our heart. And God is going, no, I want you to live from the heart. And if you live from the heart, there's going to be fire. And the fire, you feel the fire. You will, with the Holy Spirit, when he's working on you, you feel it. And here's my prayer for you. In the name of Jesus, I am praying that in this time, God will give every single one of us a holy heartburn. I mean, where your heart is, 
on fire and you try to, well, I'm not going to do a devotion. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not even going to go to church or I don't, God, don't quit talking to me. And God will just say, I'm going to put a fire inside of you that will burn until you finally respond to me because I'm not going to let you grow cold and dark and empty anymore. Amen? So the Lord is really laying it down. Jesus is rolling like thunder here. And so he just kept saying, you know, woe is you. So let's go to the next one. In verse 14, comfort those who mourn and don't take advantage of them. So verse 14, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So again, oi, you're bothering me. You scribes and Pharisees, you're a bunch of hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Why were they praying so long? Because they really wanted to commune with God? No. They wanted to pray long enough that somebody walking by and listening to them went, wow, they sure pray a long time. They must be more holy than everybody else. Ah, that's what I was looking for. Pat me on the back. Oh, yes, I can't, you know, but thank you. I am so holy. I pray so much. But they had no compassion. They would see a widow, and they were not concerned with her. They did not care for her. There was no sensitivity to those who are suffering loss. And again, Jesus is saying, comfort those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The first thing that God does to your heart is you begin grieving over your sinfulness and your brokenness. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you begin confessing your sins, he forgives you. He washes you. He cleanses you. It's not like he's trying to, you know, ground you into powder. He's like, good, you agree with me. This is hurting you. Stop, you know. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hurting yourself. And then you awaken to a new love for the Lord. So they, they had no compassion. They were religious. They were representing God. And they could pass a widow, and it was just like, I don't want to get involved in that. It's too emotional. And Jesus is saying, are you kidding me? You know, widows is something that is taught from the old and into the new. And so I want to just for a moment talk about that, because I know we have widows who are in not only this church and here in this message, but that are part of your family tree or friends or people that you know that are widows. And whether it's been just a short time or it was a decades-long relationship, suddenly when literally the Bible says to become one. So when one of them leaves or dies, it's like being cut in half. And the weight of that lostness and and all is, is very, very palpable. And God right now is a spirit. We're not in heaven. So he wants to comfort those who are widows. Where are his arms to comfort them? Where is his face to give them some kindness? Where is a mouth with a heart that will say, I notice you, I see you, I've been thinking of you, I care for you, I'm praying for you. It is us. And of all, it would be the Pharisees who are supposed to be, we're representing God in heaven. And they're walking by and they're not moved or in any way caring about widows. And not only widows, but orphans. The Bible talks about orphans. 
And orphans are, you know, we live in a society now where, you know, it was a, a day that's already passed by when a child would be born into a, a normal family, healthy family, got mom who was there the whole time you're growing up and dad who was there the whole time you're growing up and you got brothers and you got sisters and maybe some central faith in a community where you grow up in that. For most people, that, that is very rare in this day. So many divided families and divorces and issues and brokenness and separation and all the rest of it. So we have a whole generation of young people that are growing up. They don't look like it on the outside because they're sharp and they're handsome or cute and they're gifted and talented, but they are walking wounded. They are orphans. They feel alone there's something missing in their life. So let me just put it this way. What Jesus was saying to the religious community, the leaders there, is that the family, and this is what the church is to become, this is where you get a new family. Whatever was not there or missing for you as you were growing up, and you need a father who will come up, put his hand on your shoulder, look you in the eye, and say, I see your potential, and I honor that. You're gifted, you're talented, you're smart. But there's even more that God has for you, where a brother comes up to you. And so what I want to say is that God used, that's who we are, this church, it's a congregation, it's a community, it's a family, it's your new family. And you, you get, with that, new dads. You get a bunch of spiritual men, not that are perfect, but that are humble before God, that can speak into your life. Let them speak into your life. And I say to the fathers, speak into the lives of those young people who need a father's voice and encouragement. And you get a whole new group of women who become spiritual moms, who see, who care, who are concerned, who don't just let them all cruise around, but when they notice something, as Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, when a widow passes you by, and you don't even give her a, you don't even want to look, I don't want to get involved. No, you look and you see and you seek and you help and you care. And that's what the body of Christ, it's kind of like we get to be reparented. Look, all of the men here that are fathers, you become spiritual fathers. You have many fathers now. You have many spiritual mothers. All of you guys that are in here, you're my brothers. And all of you girls that are in here, you are my sister. And I am your friend. And what that means is that your friends are now my friends. Anybody that's good to you, blesses you, I'm good with them. I like them. They're my friend too. Anybody tries to hurt you or mess with you, I'm going to beat them up personally. I'll, I'll beat, you just come to me. I'll go beat them. Let's go beat them up. <laughs> it's where you take it in such a personal way that you literally, whatever, whoever God brings before you and brings into your sphere of influence, you are spiritually sensitive because of your heart to notice what situation they're in, and you're thinking outside of yourself, I bet they could use a word of encouragement. I bet they could use some prayer. Or you look at them and you go, wow, everything looks good on the outside, but I sense something's not so good on the inside. How are you doing, sister? What's really going on? And you press in a little bit. And that's what Jesus was doing with these Pharisees. You guys should be the ones who are ministering, loving, reflecting, radiating the love of the Father into them. But it's not happening, and it should be, and it can be, and it's a wonderful thing that we get to do that. Pastor Ray Bentley with good insight on how to listen and respond from our hearts. Glad you've joined us today for our studies in the Gospel of Matthew. Today's study is titled, The Heart of Jesus. If you missed any part, 
You can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.